welcome and thanks for listening. I'm Stacey Randall-Shaheen. And I'm Diane Amelia-Reed. Together, we will examine essential questions so you can cultivate a deeper connection to your true identity and help others do the same. This is personal power for the common good. Change your life, change the world. Welcome to Personal Power for the Common Good, the podcast where we explore the ups and downs that come with each stage of human development, find ways to sidestep barriers on the way to authenticity, and learn how to help others do the same. And by doing so, you can help to change the world for the better, one person, one encounter, one moment at a time. This episode is dedicated to Jacinda Ardern, the two-term prime minister and leader of the Labour Party of New Zealand, who voluntarily resigned in February 2023, not due to scandal or corruption, but her own instinct and intuition that told her she no longer had, quote, enough in the tank to do justice to the role. Her focus on empathy, compassion, and love as guiding principles of self, government, and country is a model to emulate for a better world. I'm Stacey Randall Shaheen, an adult educator and human rights advocate. I am here with my good friend, colleague, and coach, Diane Amelia Reed. Hi, I'm Diane Amelia Reed, business and mindset mentor, social justice advocate, and health esteem partner. Stacy and I welcome you to this 11th episode of Personal Power for the Common Good. Thanks for joining us. We are glad you're here. Personal Power for the Common Good is a podcast for everyone who is connected to other people, animals, and communities. This is for anyone who gives care to a child, a friend, a parent, or elder, a neighbor, personally or professionally. And it's for those who want to give care to themselves and to the world. This episode is brought to you by Shine, the Mindset Mastery Workshop series that helps you become the you that you are meant to be. Our podcast is focused through the lens of eight key developmental stages, a framework, if you will, created by social psychologist Eric Erickson. These stages start with infancy, and they progress through to our final days. Rethinking or reclaiming your personal power can be confusing, it can be challenging, and tender work. So in each episode, we feature a self-awareness activity to guide you, and we offer a self-care tip to foster self-love. We'll be talking about both later on, and you can find the related handouts at personalpowercommongood.com. In the previous episode, we discussed the later years of stage six, intimacy versus isolation, with a focus on 25 to 40-year-olds. There was typically a lot going down in these 15 years, big changes, major life transitions, ever-increasing financial responsibilities, just to name a few. The global COVID pandemic that began in 2020 exacerbated mental health challenges, leaving many people feeling afraid and alone, not the ideal setting for the development of positive intimacy. Feeling isolated does not make for an easy transition into more adult responsibilities, parenting, maybe elder caretaking, maybe both. Now, pile on political and economic uncertainty and increased anxiety can become a barrier to the healthy growth of this needed intimacy. This is further exacerbated for people without equitable access to education, to food, to housing, and living wage employment. According to the 2022 Schroeder's U.S. Retirement Survey, only 22% of people approaching retirement age say they'll have enough money to maintain a comfortable standard of living. That's down by 4% from last year. And that's just in the United States. 
I wonder if a global survey of the question would increase that percentage. Human development is greatly influenced by kinship networks, biology, time, and place. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. One of our intentions for this podcast is to contribute to a better world, one person at a time. We hope that you will use your personal power to help others as part of a positive, interdependent chain. Each episode includes ways that you can be an agent of personal power in your circle of influence. In our last episode, focusing on 25 to 40-year-olds, one idea is this. Communicate often and be specific with your partner, child, workmate, and those in your close circle about how they can demonstrate love and respect to you. It might feel awkward at first, but it's so important. We both shared our own experiences about not feeling good enough in a variety of interpersonal situations in previous episodes. Well, those thoughts, feelings, and beliefs did not serve us well as we progressed through the earlier stages of life. One of the benefits of aging, though, is this. We can choose to see that the world and our choices are more than simply black or white. There are many, many beautiful shades of gray, including the ones on top of my head. (laughs) But there throughout the life cycle, we have the opportunity to see ourselves and to live our lives differently and more lovingly and authentically. And that's why it's so important to spend time on self-awareness and thoughtful examination to understand how family, culture, and society shape how you think, see, and feel about yourself and others. Today's episode explores Erickson's seventh stage of human development, generativity versus stagnation. For people in the 40 to 65-year-old range, that includes Diana Melia and me. I love the world generativity. It actually reminds me a lot of you, my friend, and your vision of power for people. Instead of dreading middle age and menopause for women, you show people how to celebrate their wisdom and recognize their limitless potential. You all can't see that I'm blushing here, but, but thank you. I, though, am not impervious to the realities of my changing body, of how I'm treated by our society as a woman in this chapter of life and so on, but I absolutely refuse to be limited by it, and that is 100% a decision, nothing more. I believe with all my heart that each and every one of us is on this planet to deliver gifts and only gifts that each of us can uniquely bring. Stacy, with your vision, your leadership, creativity, passion for social justice, coming from a big heart-centered space, you are delivering on your gifts every single day. Now I'm blushing. <laughs> oh, well, in my exploration of myself and this belief, watch out, shameless plug here. I wrote my 10-session mindset tune-up workshop, Shine, because I love helping others step into their authenticity and more easily recognize and, importantly, give themselves permission to deliver their beautiful gifts. As someone who's been a participant in Shine, I would highly recommend it to others. You really do amazing work. I love how you have flipped the narrative on middle adulthood as a time of new growth rather than stagnation. It reminds me of when we talked about the cultural myth of the terrible twos for toddlers, to highlight how preconceived ideas and societal pressure can affect perception and action, resulting in more personal power or less. During each episode, we explore two essential questions to deepen thought and reflection. As educators, we offer these essential questions as a learning guide, something specific to achieve or to understand during our time together. In this episode, 
our two essential questions are, one, how can I balance the multi-layered responsibilities and distinct changes during these middle years of 40 to 65 in order to create peace, health, and opportunity in my life? And two, how do I effectively and lovingly set limits at work and with other people in order to imagine, create, and protect my best life? Many people in the 40 to 65-year-old range shoulder the double responsibility of caring for children and for elderly parents or relatives. That does not leave a lot of time or energy to focus on yourself and what you really want. In their 50s and 60s, many people are settled in well-established careers with higher incomes than, than when they started their career. And despite starting to feel burned out, they just stick it out because they fear that their age will work against them if they try to go somewhere else or to completely change careers. Some opt for early retirement if they can afford it, but that's not an option for the majority of workers in the world. Definitely not. And you don't often hear in Western culture that middle age and a woman's transition to menopause are things to celebrate. Rather, we are socialized to dread them both. We may begin to experience the decline of our senses, health, or stamina, frightening reminders for some that our time on earth is winding down. I know I felt some of that myself now that I'm almost 59, and for many, the pandemic has left its mark on our bodies as well. Less movement equals less mobility. And as they say, sitting is the new smoking. Both are major health risks. Maybe it will give you a sense of possibility knowing that, that I went surfing for the first time when I was 58. Turns out I really love it. Funny though, my husband says we're not surfing, we're earthing. We haven't <laughs> earned that S yet because we're just not that good. You've earned the S, my friend. <laughs> Thanks. One of my absolute favorite photographs in the world is one of you surfing in Hawaii. You look ecstatically happy and very powerful. As a woman in her 60s learning to surf, you just absolutely rock. Thank you. Surfer girl. One significant change for parents in this age range is the empty nest syndrome. It sounds so sad. And many people, especially women, struggle with their sense of purpose as grown children leave the home. But truly, this is a time of rebirth in many ways, if you choose to see and live it that way. As a single mother... I breathe a deep sigh of relief when my only child left for college. I began to rediscover myself, Stacy, the woman, person, rather than just Stacy, the mother. As much as I love and cherish my son, I felt free for the first time in a very long time. Well, as you know, I have no children, but I did have a sort of related experience. I started to get my friends back when we hit that age, friends who I'd known since we were young adults quite rightly, focused most of their time and attention on their kids and work, and they just didn't have the bandwidth to hang out as often as we used to. Once those sons and daughters started heading off to college or out on their own, I got my friends back. Well, that's a really interesting perspective. I love that. My life had a major turnaround when I entered the 50s. I earned a master's degree. I was the second oldest person in the class. But having that degree enabled me to interview for my current job as a director and instructor at a community college adult learning center. And with one unexpected phone call, my life changed forever. I was reunited with a man that I knew as a child. I had a major and very noticeable crush on him when I was a young teenager. 
I made him a pillow, first and only one. As he is nine years older than me, a relationship at that time was impossible and inappropriate. But after a couple years of dating, I married him at the mature age of 51, my first and only marriage. And you got a good one. You beat the the so-called odds that send the cultural message that a woman is more likely to be struck by lightning twice in the same day <laughs> than to become an older bride. Some of the benefits of Erickson's seventh stage of development include maturity, wisdom, perspective, particular expertise. And if you've learned some lessons along the way, a better sense of creative problem solving. So we can use those middle-aged gifts to reimagine our lives just like I did, to create more freedom, more health, and more opportunity. Absolutely. One of the benefits of the multi-year COVID pandemic is that it forced some people to slow down and reevaluate what they truly want in life. I believe the work-life balance has improved for many people in this age range who are lucky enough to have remote working options. This time for reflection resulted in new career paths or a return to what really makes us happy. We remembered that we can set work limits to reserve more time and energy for the rest of our lives. As many employers tried to force workers back to the office, there was a revolution of sorts. If we could, we said no. And for me, my no thanks to full-time on-site employment is a commitment to help the earth heal from climate change as well. When people were stuck at home around the world during the first year of COVID in 2020, nature and the earth flourished with less pollution and human activity. That's right. It can be difficult to set limits with employers and with loved ones, particularly if the pattern of self-sacrifice is deeply ingrained. A struggle for me that I continue to work on is setting limits with myself. You know, as I pursue and continue to grow my business, I have to remind myself to, to take breaks, to leave something for another day, you know, maybe to spend quality time with my husband or friends or just do nothing in order to sustain my spirit and my soul. Personal and work boundaries are much more than just good ideas. They're essential to our physical and mental health. I made a life-changing decision at 57 to help care for my 86-year-old mother with Parkinson's disease. I sold my first and only home of my own in beautiful Gloucester, Mass, and moved to the woods of Drake at Mass. What a change. I don't know if it was a smart decision, <laughs> financially or personally. It's been H-A-R-D hard, a real struggle to balance my job, relationships, sanity, and care for her. Made 1,000 times worse by unsupportive sisters in my mom's own seeming ingratitude. Work boundaries are a challenge for me for multiple reasons. First, I was raised learning that work earned love and that there was always something to be done. So couple that with the fact that I'm self-employed, aka no guaranteed paycheck, and that I feel like I'm playing beat the clock having started a business at 60 and a fitness business at that. But what I've learned that works best for me is time blocking actually writing personal, social, and recreational things into my calendar and then planning my work around it. I remember, and Stacy, I don't know if you were one to watch Leave It to Beaver when we were growing up, but I don't know if you remember Beaver's friend, Larry Mondello, who always ate dessert first because he might not have room for it at the end of his meal. So that's, I'm channeling Larry Mondello and blocking onto my calendar, recreational and personal and soul-filling things, and then 
plugging in the rest of life around it. I love that idea. I'm adopting that today for sure. Another huge significant change for me in my 50s um, is the process of menopause. You know, hormones, night sweats, muscle aches, decreased sex drive, and depression. I don't buy into the negative connotation of menopause, but I know it changed me. My body's different, less strong, flexible, and supple. And for the first time, I really noticed the physical changes of aging. And honestly, now I always feel exhausted, you know, so rarely rested when I wake up. I know deep in my soul that daily stretching helps me feel so much better, yet I do not make it happen in my life on a consistent basis. How can I move myself from that stagnation towards generativity? How do I find peace, health, and opportunity to make myself better as expressed in our first essential question? Oh, Stacy, you are expressing a truly age-old experience, particularly for women. We drop self-care to the bottom of or completely off of the day's to-do list when in truth, we can be so much better and more present for ourselves and for others when our self-care comes first. You know, women actually get praised for being, oh, she's so selfless, when when that's ultimately self-defeating. And women often also get condemned or called selfish when they do choose themselves first. Very difficult. Our second essential question asks how we can lovingly and effectively set limits with people in our lives to free up more time, energy, and focus so we can imagine and create our best lives. This one is a little easier for me because I learned about the power and creation of limits during my time as a parent educator. That work coincided beautifully with me raising my son. So setting limits is one element of parenting that I did very well. I've had a lot of new training on setting limits due to living with my mother for a year. It's not easy. It's an emotional roller coaster for real. But starting with honesty and self-awareness and being impeccable with my word, clear, direct, and specific, you know, I've made some progress and I'm not backing down on my limits. Most importantly, follow through on what you say every time. I know this new chapter, having your mom live with you has pushed you in unanticipated ways. You are such a clear and forthright communicator. No doubt that skill is on the plus side for you, my friend. I know, too, that you recently had a one-night getaway with your husband. As I do with my quote-unquote playtime, you might want to explore getting several more of those getaways onto your calendar. Whether it's six or eight weeks away, then you'll always have something special to look forward to. Yeah, that's another great idea because having that thing to look forward to makes a big difference. And since we've crafted this first 12-week podcast series on human development with Eric Erickson's perspective on psychological development, it's been interesting to examine our own age range in the seventh of eight stages. It's been a good reminder for me to intentionally work against stagnation so I can generate the life I want. Gratefully, we have the capacity to learn and to evolve. Human development is a lifelong process of change and adaptation with the ability to improve with awareness training, and practice. As we discussed in several episodes, our development is formed within the major sociocultural contexts of heredity, family, environment, and zip code. But we remain the driver of our own journey. That's right. We are in the driver's seat. So as you reflect more on our essential questions, please do know this. Setting healthy limits in our personal and professional lives 
is a source of generativity that we control. We may have regrets from the past or feel stuck in stagnation. So practice the art of simply noticing how you feel and what you're doing without judgment and do it as often as you can. You have the power to do something differently with every moment, one after the other. And make it a priority, make it a habit to serve your best self before caring for others with your time, your spirit, and your energy. Absolutely. That's not being selfish. That's called nurturing the nurturer. Very needed. And we have an exercise to help with that in terms of creating your life. Dream big and without any real or imagined limitations of time, place, finances. Explore how you felt as a child, a teenager, a younger adult. How would you answer the question, what makes you the happiest in your life? What would you need to change, add, or let go of to really go after that happiness? Develop a specific written plan or letter to yourself. Make a drawing, sing, dance, or create collage work, whatever works for you. Integrate all the stages of your life so far and show yourself what happy looks like in the here and now. Check out the Dream Big worksheet on our website to help you get started. Speaking of writing, a great way to let go of some of that bottled up anxiety, frustration, and other generally crappy feelings is to write about it. Specifically, write a letter. Write it to the offending person or write it to a dear friend and describe in unchecked detail about how you feel. I'm laughing as I say this because I need to do this about something going on right now myself. But once you've poured out every feeling into your words and, you know, maybe some tears, get rid of the letter. Don't hang on to it. Shred it, burn it, recycle it. It, it really doesn't matter how, but just don't keep it as a badge or proof of how wronged you've been or upset you were. That's counterproductive. Pour it out and let it go. Gentle listeners, your wounds may not be your fault, but your healing is 100% your responsibility. Yeah, and that responsibility leads to possibility. Remember, your thoughts matter, your words matter, and you matter. So in each episode, we share ways you can be a catalyst for a happier, better, and more loving world, one person at a time. Today's suggestions on how to be a positive influencer of personal power for adults in the 40 to 65-year-old range are these. Notice your gratitude and allow forgiveness to set you free. Be proud of your wisdom and recognize how much you have generated in your life so far. Yeah, and Eleanor Roosevelt said that no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Simple, don't give consent. If you take a step toward the common good with a self-care breakthrough or you have a eureka moment in your role as a positive influencer, please tell us about it. You can do so by dropping us a note at personalpowercommongood.com. We love hearing from you. This episode sees and celebrates the inspiration of former Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern. We appreciate her understanding of her own personal limits and her ability to relinquish political power in service to her own, her families, and the common good. And that's a wrap on this episode of Personal Power for the Common Good. Please join us next time as we explore Erickson's final stage of ego integrity versus despair by interviewing two awesome women 
one in her 80s and one in her 90s, about what feeds their personal power and their social justice work in the 65 to 95-year-old age range. We hope that you're finding value here and ask that you help us spread the word about our podcast. Listeners can find us on all the streaming outlets and at our website, where you'll find the weekly worksheets too. I'm Stacey Randall Shaheen. And I'm Diane Amelia Reed. We appreciate you, and we look forward to our ongoing and ever-evolving conversation on personal power for the common good. Change your life, change the world. Change the world.